Hey, it's Angel, your friendly neighborhood doula. I am so excited to have you here on the Birth Cafe podcast. Here, we'll talk about all things birth, pregnancy, and postpartum. As a certified doula, lactation counselor, and perinatal educator, I hope to provide you evidence-based information on interesting topics while also having fun and open conversations about the perinatal period. This podcast is for birth professionals and parents alike, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, sit down, get comfy, and let's get started. as well. Today we are going to be talking about relactation, milk supply, and we'll also touch on donor milk and how we can use donor milk in a safe way. Here with me I have Tamisha Walker. She's going to be talking with me about uh, relactation and milk supply. Uh, She has a lot of training in lactation and she's a lactation uh, counselor and educator. So she will be talking with uh, talking with us about these topics as well. Um, I am a mom of five. I breastfed all of my kids. Um, we I have a premature baby or had two premature babies, and Tamisha also uh, had um, uh, an early baby as well. And so we both had NICU babies. So we have a lot of experience with breastfeeding with um, babies that uh, need a little bit more assistance with. Uh, breastfeeding. And we are also a part of the Cleveland Kangaroola Collective here in Cleveland, Ohio, where we help uh, mothers, um, you know, support them in the NICU and to help make sure that they get skin to skin with their babies and also to assist them with breastfeeding their premature babies as well. Uh, So Tanisha, if you would like, I would love if you could introduce yourself Tell me a little bit about yourself um, and anything else that you want to share with the audience here. Sure. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on, Angel. I extremely appreciate it. It is amazing to be able to have time to talk with you and over such an important topic. Um, As Angel said, I am Tamisha Walker, and I am a certified birth doula, a Lamaze childbirth educator, and also I am um, a certified lactation uh, breastfeeding counselor. And so I'm excited to be able to come on today. I uh, most often have an opportunity to work with moms in the community and hospitals and community organizations creating programs to support mothers and families. And so whether I am speaking or writing a book or having a chance to be interviewed like this on a podcast or meeting people from all around the world, I love um, doing what I do as uh, even running for Mrs. Um, Ohio. And so right now I am Mrs. Elite Ohio with the Women of Achievement. And my platform is decreasing infant and maternal mortality and raising family vitality. So this is something that is near and dear to my heart. As Angel said, I'm a wife of 20 years and I'm a mom of four. And one of my amazing children was in the NICU, born at 36 weeks, received uh, dialysis within the first week of life, and now has had a kidney transplant since the age of three and is 11 years old. So he's had about 13 procedures 
And I believe all kids are miracles, but he's truly a walking miracle by definition. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to you guys about what relactation looks like and so many amazing things uh, that Angel is helping to be brought to light. So hi, everybody. It is so nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Tamisha. Me and Tamisha work a lot together. We work on a variety of different topics. Um, so this is not going to be the last time that she's on here with me. Um, we'll definitely be chatting it up a lot in the future, uh, just because we have a lot in common and we work together on a lot of different projects. So again, I'm really excited to have you here, Tamisha. And let's just get right into it. So our first topic of discussion is going to, we're going to talk about why there is a formula shortage. And Tamisha, if you want to like kind of, you know, butt in or just say anything, just feel free to add anything to anything, you know, that I say. So uh, one of the, this formula shortage, um, and I actually just did a video on this in my Facebook group, uh, A Mother's Village. And I really kind of went into why there is a formula shortage, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit here as well. But it really kind of kicked off much earlier than the last few months. It really started when the COVID pandemic hit. <laughs> so it, when the COVID pandemic hit, uh, obviously a lot of people were not working. And during that time of people not working, a lot of people quit. So now we have all these companies who are, ha are having a shortage of employees. So when we have a shortage of employees, well, there's not as many products that are being put out there. So we had that issue uh, during the pandemic with formula. So in the last few months, there have been several formula recalls. Um, and the biggest one happened a couple months ago with Abbott, who they produce a lot of different baby foods, um, including formula. And if, uh, correct me if, my, if I'm wrong, Tanisha, if you know this, I believe they're a pharmaceutical company or also do things with pharmaceuticals as well. So they had a large recall. And I'm going to share my screen so that you guys can see this. And if you are listening on audio, we're just going to read through this. Okay. So I have this pulled up. I know I do, but it's kind of been a little bit weird. Oh, here it is. Okay. So this article is from Yahoo Fortune. Um, and it talks about how America is running out of baby formula because three companies can't control uh, three companies control the market and babies aren't that profitable. But we're really going to talk about how Abbott Nutrition had those recalls. Um, and it happened in February 17th. They voluntarily recalled some of their products. Um, and then um, there was a whistleblower that came in and said, look, there are some things going on here and we need to we need this investigated. So it was investigated um, and they voluntarily recalled more products um, and they found that there was some bacteria in uh, the environmental testing. Um, so 
they were saying, okay, look, we'll fix that. Um, but however, the FDA found more problems with the facility that extended beyond the possibility of previous contamination, right? So after its inspection from January 31st to March 18th, uh, the FDA did find um, a lot of bacteria in their powdered infant formula. Okay, so um, that is when they requested that they pull their formula uh, from the counter. So we have, we already had some of the recalls, we had some of the employee uh, shortages um, that took place in during the COVID pandemic. And then on top of this, we have uh, the FDA investigating these formula companies. Now, so everyone knows the formula that is sold on the market is actually not FDA approved. Okay. It is not. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> however, yes, it is still on the market. Um, and there are some regulations that do have to be put in place when it comes to certain, um, you know, processing things. So I don't know, Tamisha, what do you think about all this? So I just want to point out, though, can I can we just even take a little step, a little step further back than the monopoly that for some people you were just fully blowing out of the water? Because I was having some personal feelings <laughs> all while you were sharing. Yes, it is a pharmaceutical company. All while you were sharing, I was having some some emotional moments because I was like, first of all, <laughs> before we even get to the monopoly the whistleblower before we get to any of this we learned we learned as we studied about formulas and breastfeeding and all of that and what's in formulas that when you have this powdered formula it's not sterile like from jump like the the concept that is promoted and shared with people is that it is like this uber safe and comfortable thing to give. And don't get me wrong, there's a place and time when you need assistance, get assistance. This is Absolutely. not, mind you, this is not what I'm saying. I am not shaming those that use formula. I am in no way, shape, or form saying down with all formula, burn all of the, the plants. I'm, this is not what we're saying. This is not by any means what we're saying. What we are saying is that there needs to be transparency. There needs to be continual truth and understanding. And there needs to be real clarity in what's Absolutely. presented when it comes to formulas. Mm -hmm. so, so we've been seeing, even in the classes that we teach, even in some of the hospitals, we're beginning to see where they'll put up the charts and they'll show the difference between breast milk and between formula. But it's that concept and the mindset behind how formula is pushed out and shared with people. Like that's, I feel like that's more of kind of where our take is on that. While you over here, Angel, just pulling off the whole lid on the concept and idea of what's happening behind the scenes <laughs> with the formula. So before we even hit that, I think it's it's super important to to address just how it's marketed, right? And then the reality that it's not as safe 
as it has been pushed and marketed to be. Like before we even get to the whistleblower, like those are horribly sad things that we're seeing where families are affected for the rest of their lives with the death of these children because of, because of what we see people saying and doing in response to the thought of it's just the best thing since sliced bread. It's better than this. It ha We just need to live in the reality of understanding it is a supplement. It is a support to use if necessary, if necessary, but there's risks with anything that you do, honestly, there's risks and that we need to address those risks more often. And hopefully we'll stay more aware. We, it won't take a whistleblower. It won't take more kids passing. It won't take those things for us to come back and refocus and say, hold on, hold on. Each and everything has a place. Each and everything has a place. Let's use it in its appropriate place. So I just kind of want to lay that out there before we go too much further into the truth, because I don't know if you're going to share the rest of the bottom of that article, but I was getting a little warm as you were scrolling down the page. I was like, Woo! she about to really get the soapbox built. So we're definitely, okay, I love this. And I really want, so this is exactly why I'm going to invite you on again, because we're going to go more in depth about formula marketing practices because it we could literally discuss an entire video on how it's just crazy. Um, and I actually just put out on my um, Instagram how the United States does not actually follow WHO guidelines, so the World Health Organizations, on proper marketing of formula. So that is actually a huge factor and huge play into why breastfeeding uh, rates in the United States is, are so low. Um, there's, again, we can talk about all of that. <laughs> I like for hours on how it, there's, it's just, it's a huge problem. And this is why, okay, so let's again lay out the groundwork that we are pro breastfeeding, but that does not make us anti-formula because there is a place and a time for formula. Okay, so let's lay out that groundwork, but let's talk about how, you know, we're at we're at the spot in time now. We've got three companies that run all of the formula here in the United States. And when we have problems like this, because again, formula is not FDA approved. Um, when things like this happens, now we're at a point where like, how can we help these moms who either by choice or because they didn't have the right information or because it, maybe they truly didn't have a good milk supply for whatever reason. And there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but when we have the companies, which these companies really do market breastfeeding in a negative light, um, again, we can really go into a whole lot of detail of the improper marketing of formula. In fact, uh, the World Health Organization, which the United States is a part of, did release two, uh, several reports actually recently, and I believe uh, the end of 2020, the end of 2021 last year and the beginning of 22 of this year, they released a report of how the formula companies are playing social media to market formula and to um, 
use certain practices to discourage moms from breastfeeding. It is an entire thing. It's so sad. Um, we'll talk, we're going to go into that um, more, although this you kind of need th that kind of basis of understanding <laughs> um, going into this to understand why there's a formula shortage because, you know, if you're pregnant or planning on breastfeeding, um, we're going to talk about how you can prepare to breastfeed and to have the support and to have the right education so that, again, if the formula shortages happens again, um, and it very well could happen again, um, and especially since we're still having a lot of employers not, you know, struggling to keep their employees, um, you know, this may not be going away anytime soon. In fact, I believe the most recent update that I heard about this is that we really won't get back to normal as far as having enough formula on the shelves for at least another year. So that's kind of what they're predicting. Um, so, I wanted to let's let's talk about relaxation, okay? And a lot of moms, because of of everything that's going on, a lot of moms are looking into how do I bring my milk supply back? Okay, I want to preface this with saying that relactation can be done. Um, you may not get your full supply back. Um, but any amount of breastfeeding is better than none. And if you still end up using both formula and breast milk, you'll be using a lot less formula if we get your milk supply back. Um, in any capacity, you will use a lot less formula, okay? Especially once your baby hits that six months mark, um, we're still eating, we're going to be using less formula um, in combination with breast milk. So, with relactation, there are a few things that you can do, okay? So let's talk about it. The first thing that you wanna do is have a good pump, okay? Um, and, okay, so yes, we want a good pump, um, for sure. We wanna have a good pump. And in fact, I have an article that's gonna be linked in the video um, called The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Breast Pump because choosing a good breast pump is really important when you're choosing to relactate, okay? Um, but if you, for whatever reason, cannot get a, you know, really good quality breast pump, have no fear. You have free hands. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're also going to talk a little bit about hand expression and how actually hand expression can do just as good, if not better, at removing milk um, from your breast. Um, so... Our first thing that we are encouraging you to do is to have a quality breast pump. So um, uh, having a hospital grade breast pump, um, I, I'm gonna put that in quotes, hospital grade. <laughs> Cause technically there's only one brand that makes a hospital grade uh, breast pump. And that's just because this brand um, is mostly used in hospitals. So Medela has a hospital grade breast pump. It's a double electric. You can rent out this pump um, either through your hospitals. Um, some community places have, uh, you know, hospital grade breast pumps um, that you can rent out as well. If not, there are some other good ones. Uh, Spectra is a really good one. Um, 
that I really encourage moms to use. Medela, of course, has a lot of good products. This is not a promo for Medela, but they have a lot of good quality breast pumps as well. Um, so Tanisha, what are your thoughts on breast pumps? So I love that you're attaching that because it's so important. Um, I like that you can go to the websites and try them out. And depending on your area hospitals, you might even be able to go to them and try them as far as hearing what they sound like. Um, as far as I would encourage you to also read the stats on them, specifically in relation, since we're focusing on relactation, because, you know, most of, like we work with moms in all different levels. So um, we have to target in our thoughts because we, we teach about so many different things and help moms with so many different things. But in this instance, you do want to make sure that you have something that is going to mimic as closely to a baby's sucking. And that's going to be a bit stronger, right? Um, and so it, it may be hard for some people to find programs in their areas that will allow for the pump rental, but I would encourage you to try the pump rental for um, the stronger uh, styles or grades of pumps just to make it a little bit easier for you during the relactation process. Um, but as Angel mentioned, we are going to talk a bit about hand expression, which I really would lean you more towards that as you're starting. Um, and making sure, we'll talk about like exercises and things, but making sure that you are doing those things to help uh, promote that milk production and release within your, uh, within your breast. So um, when it comes, I agree, I agree with, with the, <laughs> the different types that, that you were sharing about. They're both very popular and they're both very good. Uh, one thing you can do when you call, if you are going to be uh, able to get maybe like, say, for instance, maybe you didn't get a pump in the beginning and you decided now, hey, I'm going to do this. I do want to pump. You're going to want to make sure if you can and you look on their website and you see the different things that they offer or if you just call directly to get a pump that you ask them what are like some of the extras or possible upgrades that come with the pump so you can make sure that you have everything that you could possibly use. And then also as you do your research and you find out which pumps are stronger because it's not always the newest one that comes out for the company. You really have to look at the motor and the output of the actual pump um, to find out which is going to be stronger for you in whichever brand you like better, whether you're picking by color or shape or feel or you or you know that you like the way that their flanges fit you better, okay? So whatever it is that you're picking by, look for that highest output, what they're going to do as far as the strength when it comes to pumping for you. And then talk to the company because sometimes the representatives and even on the orange online platform, when you go to put in your insurance and how you're going to be paying for it and what pumps come up, it's not going to always be that best pump for you. So you're going to want to look even in the brand line that you like or that's provided by the company and ask them specifically about the type of pump that's going to have the highest output. And if they don't know, you might either need to talk to somebody else that works there or say, okay, I see which line you offer. I'm going to research that line and go for the one that I know is going to work best for me because we want to work smarter, not harder. And relactation is not always a walk in the park for everybody. And we want to give you the steps to make it a bit simpler for you to get to your goal in relactation. Absolutely. And something else that I go into in that article um, 
uh, is to look and see how long your warranty is on your pump. Um, because some of the warranties on these pumps are only about six months to a year. And you're going to be using this pump a lot. <laughs> so you really want to find a pump that has a two-year or longer warranty so that if anything breaks down like the motor, um, you can get that replaced. Uh, you also want to be cautious of, uh, of um, pumps that are from formula companies. And again, we're not saying that we're anti-formula, but they're very clever in their marketing. And a lot of times these pumps have a shorter warranty on them. Um, and they're not as good quality as um, pumps made by uh, specialty breastfeeding companies like Medela. Uh, um, they're, you know, they're a specialty for, uh, breastfeeding company. So they specifically work on breastfeeding products. Um, so keep the, the, those things in mind when you're also looking for a breast pump um, is looking at that warranty. And um, so I, again, gonna link that in the video below. It's also linked in the chat here. So if you wanna click that, um, you can take a look at it. Um, so when it comes to pumping, Tanisha mentioned it's not a walk in a park, right? There are a couple different ways that you can start your relaxation journey when it comes to pumping. Uh, so if you have your baby um, with you currently, depending on how long it's been since you last produced, is going to kind of determine, but not always, but kind of determine how quickly you get your milk back. Right. So if it's been a couple weeks since you last pumped, you're probably gonna get your milk back faster. If it's been six months or longer, four months or longer, it's gonna take a little bit more time and more commitment. So before I really get into like pumping schedules and stuff and things like that, it's really important that you find a lactation uh, professional that will support you through this relactation process and to find a breastfeeding group that will also encourage you and support you in this process. Um, it's really hard to do breastfeeding in general if you don't have enough support. What do you think, Tanisha? Yeah, I completely agree. And just making sure that as you um, share with people what you're doing, like that whole support piece, yes, I superstar, double star, gold star that. Um, if you know you have a bestie, that is like, uh, yes. you gonna do what? I don't know. That sounds a little crazy. Like we was doing, we was doing formula for a reason. Like that might not be the one you want to invite over every time you're pumping, or you know, on the phone when the baby's sleeping and you're trying to wash pump parts and pump like that might not be the one that you want cheering you on in your corner because they're probably going to ask more questions than they are going to provide more support. So you want to stack the deck as far as your support so that mentally, spiritually and emotionally you are able to do this journey strong. So them times when you are deep down and in the valley and feeling a little bit like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I, that you have people in your corner that are like, oh no, we got this. Come on. We like them two drips. 
we going for four. So, like, like you want those people in your corner that are like, well, remember, it's been this long since you last pumped. So I'm just glad that you're trying again. Like, I'm just glad you're trying. Let's keep trying together, okay? You want those people in your corner. So just be aware for that mom, auntie, niece, nephew, cousin calling from a long distance that, you know, have feelings personally about it. They might not be the ones to put on the short list of I'm having issues today and I'm trying to relactate. Okay, that that's my take on that one. Can we get an amen? <laughs> yes, she's preaching over here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So the people who are going to be in your support team, I again, we're not we're not going to ask you know people who are against what you're doing or who aren't going to support you throughout that time. You can find someone who has successfully breastfed their child for six months or longer. Those are probably going to be the best people that you want in your corner. That's awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so the, let's talk about pumping schedules. So ideally, uh, this is kind of a breastfeeding lesson, um, but usually breast breastfeeding babies, and I'm going to tell you, if you take my breastfeeding class, they don't typically eat every two to three hours. But for pumping purposes, we're going to do that every two to three hours because that is the average. That is the average-ish time that babies are going to need to nurse or to breastfeed. So pumping every two to three hours um, throughout the day okay, and at night because a lot of people forget that we have to also do this for like a 24 hour period. All right. So pumping every two to three hours, um, we are, that's what we're doing. We're pumping. Okay. And you're not, you may not get a lot at first. You may get a couple of drops or you may not, you may not get anything. So kind of expect one of the, one or the other, um, when you're starting this process, you may get nothing. You may get something. You may get a few drops. If you get anything, you know, congratulate yourself. It's a, if it's a couple drops, okay, congratulate yourself. And you can give that to your baby immediately. Immediately give that those couple drops to your baby. There are so many antibodies and antivirals and hormones in a drop of breast milk. So if you get that uh, those couple of drops in that 15, 20, 30 minutes that you are pumping, take that, give it to your baby. Give it to your baby. Okay. Um, so how long do we usually pump? Um, if you have a double pump, you can pump about 15 to 20 minutes um, total if you've got a double, a double pump. If you don't, if you have a single pump, it's 15, 20 minutes on one side, 15, 20 minutes on the other side of pumping. Now, something else that you can do is power pumping. Okay. So power pumping, basically what you're doing is that you're pumping, um, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, you take a break for 10 minutes and then you get right back into it. Um, you take a break for 15 to 20 minutes and then you get right back to it. I would actually recommend doing this once or twice a day in addition to pumping every two to three hours. Um, at least have one uh, power pumping session um, in that time that you're relactating. So that's something that you can try. Um, skin to skin. Oh, my goodness. Skin to skin is going to be so important to starting to build your milk supply. 
And me and Tanisha worked with uh, Dr. Niels uh, Bergman, and we've also worked with Jill Bergman, who are world-renowned um, researcher, um, and Jill is a doula as well, so we've worked with them. And we talk a lot about the importance of skin-to-skin -skin with your baby, okay? So you can do skin-to-skin -skin with your baby throughout the day to increase the amount of oxytocin that you have in your body. So oxytocin is what is going to increase the letdown that you have in your, uh, increase, yeah, increase, ox the oxytocin is going to increase or, or help you with a letdown um, during breastfeeding, okay? Prolactin is another hormone that is going on in your body when we're talking about breastfeeding, and it works best when we have high amounts of oxytocin, okay? So if you're having milk supply issues, which we're going to talk about a little bit um, later on, if we're having a lot of stress, um, so we're having a lot of adrenaline or, you know, catecholamines, that actually interrupts the oxytocin process, which can make it harder for your body to release milk, okay? Which is why a lot of times if you're going into a lactation office, one of the first things that they're going to have you do to, you know, get everything going is to have you do skin to skin with your baby. Um, so Tanisha, if you want to hop in on that and let us know your thoughts on that, go ahead. So, you know, I love me some skin to skin. Like, let's not even play the game. Let's not even play the game. Like, I knew we were going to talk about it today because we had to talk about it today. Like, skin to skin is magical. It's amazing. Like, I think so many people don't value it at the level that it needs to be valued. Mm -hmm. So, everything you said, of course, I agree with. Hello and yes. Um, it's been amazing the work that we've been able to do to learn more about being kangaroolas and about skin to skin care. And my most recent mom, who was uh, a mom of a 33-weeker, like, it is amazing to see what difference skin to skin does from heart rate to blood sugar. I mean, it changes the game, right? So why wouldn't it change the game when it comes to lactation? So understanding that the more oxytocin we produce and the more we are able to allow for the receptors to be open, all the fun stuff, I won't repeat everything you just said, but the more we allow for those things to happen, the better it is. And you have to think about it, too. If you ever notice, when you pump or when you nurse your baby, you become very relaxed, right? It is all a part of the process, and there's nothing like that whole cuddle time. As Angel talked about, the fact that there's so many things in breast milk that help with so many different areas within the body as far as antivirals. I mean, breast milk is absolutely amazing. We don't talk about it nearly enough, right? But as your baby lays on you and as you kiss your baby and hug your baby and truly spend that skin-to-skin -skin time with nothing in between, honey, it supercharges your milk. That's how I like to say it anyway. It supercharges your milk so that everything that that baby needs due to the environment that they are in and that you are in, they're receiving. They are receiving because you took the time to stop and say, let me share with you something amazing. Let me share with you something amazing. I took that extra step of time to share. Now, I'm, mind you, I have a little bit of a different mindset about lactation because I feel like 
breastfeeding and nursing is not an extra step. Like, it's the thing I get to do because I don't feel like washing the extra <laughs> bottles and different things. But but learning to relactate and putting in that extra energy to produce something for your child that's not just life-giving, but I mean it's life-creating in the way that even if your child is sick or if you were sick, like, to pass on the antibodies and things that are needed to help your baby, oh, my gosh, to help your baby step up and be able to deal with what is happening in their environment, what better than to be able to stand there like Wonder Woman because <laughs> you decided to take some extra time to pump or to do hand massages or to lay your baby on your chest. Like, yes. Yes, you are Wonder Woman, taking those steps to just say, I love you. Let me give you an extra kiss. It's an extra kiss of love that changes their entire life, their mind, their brain, how they function. We don't talk enough. We don't talk enough about how that changes it. So anybody that's listening to this webinar that's even contemplating taking the time, like I am, taking the time to relaxate, like kudos to you. Kudos to you for just stopping to think, you know what, this is something I might be able to do just because I care about my baby, because the situation around me has changed. Like you're not looking outside of yourself for solutions. You're taking the time to stop and say, wait a minute, I can make a difference. I can make a change. Let let me just even look into this. Let me try this for my baby and myself. Like, kudos to you. That's what comes out of me out of this section. But skin to skin is the bomb. It's amazing, and it's so necessary, and it's so easy to do. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. Just laying the baby right on you. A diaper's okay. I'm going to look covering, cloth or something is okay, and then a covering over you all because we want to make sure that we're still keeping the heat in the head, right? So we want to cover that up a little bit. But really, snuggling them up underneath your neck or right in between the good spot, that's a good spot. Right in between there. Man, you're making moves and you're doing something amazing. Something yes. amazing. Yes, it's so beautiful. And my daughter's 19 months old, and I was like, Hey, America, I love you. Want to do some skin to skin? And she's still breastfeeding. So it's really good stuff. And another pumping tip that I, I really want to add on to this is um, because so skin to skin is really important. And it, it really is the basis of any lactation that you're doing, any kind of breastfeeding that you're doing. It's so, so important. Um, but when we're talking about pumping and your pump isn't cute. It is not cuddly. It is a cold plastic and metal machine. You don't feel good and relaxed and all warm and fuzzy feeling when you are pumping. Honestly, like me personally, I don't like pumping. <laughs> like, I do it when I have to, um, but it's definitely not my favorite thing. Not like nursing your own baby. So there are some things that you can do to make pumping be a better experience and to kind of mimic some of the things that uh your baby would do okay um and this goes to like even if you're it's like if you're working and you're thinking about relactating do it 
take your pump with you to work and start pumping and relactating. Um, but some things that you can do is if your baby is not around, um, but if you have your baby around, keep them close, is take a picture of your baby and look at your baby while you are pumping and think about how much you love them. And I encourage this tip for any moms that are nursing. This is like a breastfeeding pro tip. When you're breastfeeding your baby or pumping, think about how much you love them. That milk will start flowing. They'll probably start choking. So pull them off a little bit. <laughs> Let them get their breath. <laughs> but it will help the milk flow. So have a picture of your baby nice close to you. You can also take some of their clothes, um, smell their clothes. Uh, that'll help with a lot of like the milk flowing. And then when you're pumping, and I don't have my like a stuffed boob model, so I'm gonna use me. Um, but doing some gentle massage while you're pumping. Okay, you can get a pumping bra if you would like. Um, I didn't do that. I mean, honestly, like what I did was I had my bra. Um, I put the pump on and then put my bra like over the the flannel pump um, and it held it into place pretty nicely that way once the suction was going. So that's something you can do. You kind of also take a regular sports bra, cut some slits in it, put your pump that way. You've got a makeshift pump, uh, pumping bra. There you go. Uh, but while you're pumping, do some gentle hand massage. You, got, you can do some circles um, here, some fingertips, things like that um around your breast uh something that dr ann witt if you're listening if not that's okay shout out to dr <laughs> witt who teaches us therapeutic breastfeeding massage we'll also put that in the link below because she has some great videos on hand expression and um, breastfeeding massage some finger taps around your breast too are great you do that while you're pumping helps helps with the warmth because if you're nursing your baby what's your baby doing to your breast they're kneading they're squeezing they're pushing, okay? So we're gonna mimic some of those things while we're pumping. All right, so the next thing that we're gonna get into- Before we move on, I, I wanna say too, like what I used to do was record video. So I would literally take and I would watch videos of my baby while smelling like the sleeper from the night before, you know, not, not the funky ones, not the ones that got spit up on, but the ones that, you know, kind of did smell a little buttery, but just smelled like my baby's neck. And I literally would sit there and I would totally watch the video of my baby. Now, here's the other little tip that I would do. I would record them when they were giving their feeding cues. So I would record my babies like a little bit before they were about to cry. Now, back then, I did not know that that's what that was. I was just recording them because I could see them starting to get a little fussy. Such a good tip. Huh? I yeah, because they were starting tip. to get a little fussy. Thanks. So I would record them and then I would watch that. So then when I was breastfeeding, it would be like, oh, sugar, I miss you so much. And then, yeah, and then I'd be like, oh, look at all that milk. <laughs> That's totally what I would do. A blanket or a onesie and then videos, girl. And I would just be like flipping through the photo album like, I miss my baby. And I would get more milk in those sessions than I would any other time. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. 
Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, I that is perfect. So there's a tip for you guys. Um, record a video of your baby doing something super cute. Um, even like if you have pictures of them nursing, right? Or pictures or videos of them nursing, um, even bring those to work. So those are all really good, really, really good ideas. Um, there's something else that I, I wanted to kind of oh, okay. Well, it kind of goes into the next topic. So uh laughing. Um, I'm sure you guys are probably wondering when we should start laughing if we're relaxating. And my answer to that is whenever your baby is ready. That is that's kind of my simple answer to that is whenever your baby's ready. Um when you're doing skin to skin, um allow your do some laid back breastfeeding. So kind of laying back on the couch or with some pillows propped up, have your baby doing that skin to skin. And if they just so happen to latch on, let them do it. Even if they're not really getting anything from it, allow them to have that practice, allow that oxytocin to flow. That is all going to help with increasing your milk supply or bringing your milk supply back. Okay. Um, so whenever baby is ready to laugh, latch, um, I've even heard of some moms, um, and I kind of feel like this happened to me when my I had creamy babies, so it took a while for them to learn how to latch. But sometimes you just have this instinct of, I feel like my baby is going to latch right now. And if you get that instinct, do it. Latch that baby on. Try it. And they may get it. They may get it. They may latch on right away. And may, they may not. We don't. What we don't want to do is make it a stressful experience for you and baby. Because then our oxytocin is going way down. We're stressed, we're crying, baby's crying. This is just not, <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> so we wanna make this a nice, good bonding time with baby. And this is really what I want you guys to take out of all of this, all of trying to relactate and everything. You're not gonna, so even if you don't get your milk supply back totally or completely or any anything like that, what you're gonna get out of this is special moments with your baby. You're not gonna regret doing skin to skin to it, skin to skin with your baby bonding with your baby, watching cute videos of them while you're trying to pump that work. You're not going to regret any of that. So this is really what I want you guys to get out of this is that we're doing that skin to skin with baby. Um, and I would I would honestly recommend two, three times a day or more of doing skin to skin with our baby for an hour or more if you can squeeze that in. Um, but try to, if they want to latch, if you're doing that laid back breastfeeding, having them right on your chest and they latch, great. If you have that instinct, like, oh, I feel like my baby's going to latch right now or could latch right now, go for it. And you can try it here and there, but if they're just not having it, just go right back to skin to skin. Okay. Um, it doesn't hurt to try to latch at least once or twice a day or when you feel that urge that maybe baby could latch. So you can try that. Kind of follow your baby's cues. And I feel like we've kind of lost that art <laughs> in motherhood is that, we're, it's called scientific mothering, and um, I, Kathleen Kendall Tackett and Nancy uh, Moorberger kind of coined this term of scientific mothering, where we're listening to what the scientists are telling us that we should be doing to mother our babies. So the two to three hours, you know, the sleep training, which isn't necessarily bad to do sleep training, but um, we're putting our babies down constantly, which I am hoping to get a historian to talk about the history of breastfeeding. And she really goes into how putting our babies down was about getting women to come back to work. 
<laughs> so we're gonna talk about that, and I really hope I can get this uh, this guest on uh, as um, get this guest on. Uh, but we don't really want to scientifically mother our babies. We want to um, intuitively uh, mother our babies with doing skin to skin and loving them and bonding with them. Um, that is what we're doing. So thoughts, Tamisha. Of course. So I super, super, super love all of that. Um, a couple of things that came to mind while you were talking is just the, the concept of, too, if you have kids that are older, right? So uh, that was my second thought. The first one is um, the nice surprise. Like sometimes the kids just really do want to lactate, like, or latch. And so it's just that early uh, surprise where you're like, oh, I have been pumping. And two, something you can do is express, like we've been talking about hand expression. You can express a little bit of milk on your nipple so that it gives the scent even more so and the locator of this is where you come for your food. Like this is what's available to you um, so that they can be even more drawn to it like they were initially. Um, and also that the reason why like we have found out in our studies and in our training that babies who latch just on their own without being prodded or primed or in you know you're just putting them skin to skin and they do a breast crawl and they latch or they do a tummy crawl and they latch um are great latchers often and they don't need a lot of extra assistance um if there's no other like oral issues but uh, where they are able to literally just do it on their own. So just seconding what Angel is saying, give them that space and that time to latch, just, just comfortably on their own. So if you have kids that are older too, I would encourage you to like lay on the floor during their tummy time. Um, if you have one that's maybe a little bigger and they're like waddling, you know, and walking some, if you want to do it on a couch, maybe, but how cool would it be? to just lay there with them on your back on the ground where they are able to do like tummy time leaning on you or maybe playing with toys but next to you so that they have an opportunity to readjust and reassociate with the fact that you are there that you are able to nourish them and feed them and it's just a part of their happy everyday life right? And being able to reattach themselves to your breast, right? So it's not like, yo, this is the time we're going to stop and we're going to do this right now. But this is what we need to do because you need to eat. And like my milk needs to come back in and I need you because you're the best pump in the world. And the kid's like, I don't know who, what this happening. You switching up the game on me a little bit. So I would just encourage the fun reintroduction right the fun reintroduction to the fact that you are there that you have nourishment for them and it's something that they can enjoy as a part of their their everyday activity if maybe it's a, a child who has been fully bottle filled and i do want to interject as well if you find that because we're talking about this from the sense of of what would make this process a bit easier and possibly a bit faster right that's why we talk about the latch right? Because again, as Angel said, when she introduced this section, they are going to do way better than any machine more often than not. If there's no other oral anything going on, they're going to do better. 
They're going to know what they want, they want and how to get it. They're going to work at it. Um, but if you need to pump and put it in a bottle, either way, they're still getting amazing nutrition, right? But specifically with latching, I think it would be such a wonderful idea just to allow them to play right next to where you are as you're laying there kind of uh, bare chested for them to be able to relax on you, to relax with you, and then to be able to relatch just by being there and resting with you. Awesome and so beautiful. Thank you. That, yeah, that's like really, really important. Um, especially like, and if you do have older children, um, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was something that I really wanted to touch on. And, you know, kind of invite your, invite your children to the process. Um, when I was re doing some research on this, um, someone had even said, you know, and they're during this time of relaxating and honestly, even during breastfeeding, their, their toddler had a lot of sex and probably watched more TV than she probably wanted to, but that's okay. And then she would give her, her son, you know, pumping parts kind of play with while she was pumping and things like that um so invite them to the process and then your kids will bring their own oxytocin you know with you um so invite them to cuddle and to hug and kiss and you know things like that because you get oxytocin from your kids as well man oh man okay so <laughs> Uh, I don't know about you, Tanisha, but our time has kind of flown by. Um, it's already 4.30. Um, and I do want to get through some of these other topics that we have. Uh, so let's talk about donor milk because that is something that we were going to talk about. Um, and then after that, let's briefly go into uh, milk supply. But if you're planning on, uh, if you are planning on relactating or if you're trying to increase your milk supply i highly highly encourage you that you take a breastfeeding class okay um just so that you can get the understanding of the process of breast of breast milk and breastfeeding and watching their cues and there's some things that you may have not have known about that we can't really go into in this you know one hour webinar we can't really go into everything but you're gonna learn a lot in a breastfeeding class. And then I have a breastfeeding class that I will link in the YouTube description, YouTube description, the video description. Um, and it's called You Can Breastfeed. And I go into a lot of things, uh, topics about, you know, skin to skin. I talk about uh, maintaining your milk supply, going through challenges, who you need to support you. And I also talk about pumping and going back to work. So definitely take a breastfeeding class if you're planning on relactating or if you are um, trying to build your milk supply and then find a lactation professional in your area. And I will also link some uh, links where you can find a lactation professional in your area. All right, so donor milk. Um, is I, I feel like we can do donor milk and um, donor milk slash milk sharing, things like that. So I've gotten a lot of questions about donor milk and going like milk banks and stuff like that. So the milk banks, in, at least in Ohio, um, I'm not, I mean, it may be different in other states, uh, but in general, the milk banks are, the milk that they get are only from, only for sick and premature babies. So they don't give it out to the general public, unfortunately, <laughs> um, because, 
you know, when you've been talking about formula, I feel like when we talk about how, you know, most mothers can't breastfeed, which is not true, um, but we also talk about how moms like struggle with breastfeeding and um, so using formula, we don't actually include the babies that are allergic to formula. Um, my baby was allergic to formula. I couldn't breastfeed him. I couldn't give him formula and he was mostly breastfed. Um, it was a childcare issue, which I also go into my breastfeeding class because childcare is an, another issue. Um, but we don't talk about how sometimes babies are, are allergic to formula. And so what do we do with those babies? Um, and I, I really feel like some of the milk banks should kind of, you know, I feel like we should kind of be able to have access to that milk. And I know someone who uh, had family that worked at these milk banks and, you know, destroyed uh human bodily products fluids and things like that and they were telling me that this person destroyed tons of breast milk tons of breast milk because it couldn't be used um but that breast milk could be given to people who actually need it who these babies that can't take formula because they're allergic to formula so uh donor milk has its uses the milk banks do a lot of pasteurization uh processes with the milk that they give, which kind of, it does lose some of the good probiotics and antivirals and, you know, all that good stuff to it, but it's a good option for those premature babies. It's a better option, honestly, for those premature babies, um, which is why they usually encourage it for these preemies. Um, and then we have milk sharing, which is where you find another mom that is breastfeeding and she basically asks if you can have her milk. So it could be a friend. Um, we have human milk for human babies, which is a really popular platform on Facebook where moms who are looking for breast milk, uh, you know, can find some breast milk because there are a lot of moms that overproduce. So some things to consider when we're doing milk sharing is who are you getting the milk from? Okay. Um, some good questions to ask is, you know, are they on any medications? That's important to know, okay? Um, do they have any kind of infectious disease? Uh, and it's, the infectious disease, uh, there's not a lot of research on it, but what we know from breast milk is that for many infectious diseases, and it, actually HIV is one of those things that new research has shown that you can breastfeed with if you have HIV. <laughs> At first it wasn't that you, you couldn't breastfeed if you had HIV, but those antibodies are produced in your breast milk. Um, so a lot of times, even when these moms do have, you know, some kind of infectious disease, uh, a lot of those antibodies do go into the breast milk, but that may not be something that you're comfortable with. So ask that person if they have any infectious diseases, um, you know, if they had the flu recently, COVID, um, HIV, herpes, things like that, that, those are things that you should know. Um, something that you want to talk about is alcohol. Have they drink, did they drink alcohol at the time that they were pumping? Because um, that's something that you need to know. And then if your baby has certain allergies, what allergens um, have they taken as well? Because some babies can, can't tolerate certain allergens like dairy. There are a lot of moms that I would also have like a vegan diet. Go ahead. Yeah, I would also say allergens from the point of the mom that's producing the milk. So you know what might be missing. Like they might not be getting peanuts or peanut butter in there. 
Do you know what I mean? So like, just so you know, if there's some things that are being kept out of the diet. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, really good points there too. So these are the things that you really want to kind of ask when you are doing milk sharing. And if you are planning on milk sharing, um, some things that you should let the mom know as well. Really important, really important. Um, there's not a lot of research on donor milk and milk sharing. That research hasn't been done or they're not good quality uh, studies. So we can't say they're bad or ugly. <laughs> Um, I myself have used shared a breast milk before um, from people that I trust and I've given breast milk to people who have needed it, uh, needed it as well. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it can be a really good option for parents who really, really need breast milk. They can't get access to the donor milk from the, uh, the milk banks at all, um, or if their baby has allergies and can't tolerate formula at all. Anything to add to that, Tamisha? No, that's really good. I was going to say, because sometimes, too, it's expensive. Sometimes. Um, yeah. It can just be an issue to get for people sometimes. So um, this, yeah. you know, honestly, whenever I think about this, I think about how in some cultures, the mother's mother or the grandmother would, like, relactate in order to assist with the baby. So I think about those types of things all the time. Yes. Um, oh, gosh. What is the term that I'm looking for? Um, oh man, why can't I think of the term? Wet nursing. Wet nursing, thank you. That is what it is. Yeah, wet nursing. So before all the formula things, that is what, <laughs> that's what we did. Um, wet nursing. I actually know of like family members who wet nurse like other families, babies and things like that. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty common. And the, honestly, it really comes down to, do you trust this person? Are they sharing the background of what they've ingested, um, any infectious diseases? And then if you feel comfortable, and then, I, then that's the next thing. Are you comfortable with it? Um, so I feel like we really should kind of talk about that more, doing donor milk and milk sharing um, and things like that. So maintaining a milk supply, uh, if your milk supply is, so somebody actually, um, I put on my Instagram, like, is there any questions that you want for to ask for this you know webinar and herbs was one of them um i'm not going to go too deeply into it because we really just don't have the time <laughs> um but a really good resource i'm gonna give you a resource before, before i give you the resource let me tell you this if you are not nursing constantly and i mean around the clock when your baby has their nursing cues or every pumping every two to three hours around the clock if you don't do those things it's not going to increase your milk supply, okay? Or it may increase it temporarily, but it won't do it for the long term. So you must, 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 must nurse your baby often around the clock. We're not, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're not giving dad a bottle so that he could feed the baby. That's mommy's job. Mommy's job is to nurse the baby. Um, but if you really, really want to do that, if you really, really want to get the baby a bottle so that dad can feed them, you're going to have to replace that time with pumping. Okay, um, so we're pumping day and night, um, nursing baby around the clock, but resources for nurse, for herbal uh, options um, is, it's called the Nursing Mother's Herbal. Uh, it's by Sheila Humphrey, who is a, a nurse and 
International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Okay, so it's a really good resource that you can use. It really talks about the different herbs that you can use. Um, it goes from milk supply to plug ducts, mastitis, uh, postpartum recovery, um, it goes into. Uh, another good resource for you guys is the fourth trimester and the wonder weeks. It really talks about child development and the wonder weeks. And then the fourth trimester, we talk about how you can protect that time, postpartum time, because a huge issue in America, um, for moms is the, the rush to get back to normal and that can affect your milk supply. Okay. Um, so I had an article from, I wanted to mention this. I have a video from free, free to feed. Uh, she talks about breastfeeding and allergies. So you can take a look at that video if that's something that you're interested in learning more about. And then, um, the fourth trimester, again, you can take a look at that book. It's really good for protecting it. Uh, I have talked with, uh, Kathleen Tackett, Tackett, where we talked about breastfeeding and mental health. Uh, a huge misconception about breastfeeding and mental health is that breastfeeding can negatively impact uh, breast milk, but that is not true. That is a myth. Breastfeeding actually supports and um, helps with mental health. So we talk about that in my uh, Breastfeeding Doesn't Need to Suck webinar. So you guys can take a look at that and learn more about mental health and breastfeeding. And then she has a book coming out as well that you can uh, reference and read. Um, so herbals for maintaining milk supply. Skin to skin is super important. I'm, we're just, I'm just gonna tell you now. <laughs> we gotta do the skin to skin with our babies. Um, and then nursing our baby at their nursing cue, at their feeding cues. So it's really important to understand their feeding cues, what their fullness cues looks like. So I mentioned taking a breastfeeding class, take that class so that you have a better understanding of what's normal behavior for your baby and what's normal in breastfeeding and when you need to seek out help. So anything to add to that, Tamisha? Those are absolutely amazing. You must get in one of Angel's child uh, classes. I mean, I understand you keep talking about the breastfeeding one, but any of them are absolutely amazing and essential for that journey in your life. Um, I love working with moms, and I love teaching, and I have seen what Angel does, and I can vouch for how amazing she is and the amazingness of what she provides. So do not miss out on what she is providing for you. This evidence-based information and education that she is giving you is vital. So that's what I have to add. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. I thank you and I appreciate you. Uh, I love you so much. Uh, Tamisha, where can we find you online? Oh, ma'am. Of course, you can find me at TamishaWalker.com. That's T O M E S H A W A L K E R. Dot com, And you can also find me on all social media at Tamisha Walker, as well as at birthohio.com. So you can find me at all of those places to get your information. And I am known as the baby birthing godmother. So, hey, just look for me and please make sure you say hello.
<laughs> I love that. Good baby birthing godmother. That's amazing. And I, I'm known as the your neighborhood friendly doula. Yes, that is a shout out to Spider-Man. I'm a total nerd. Um, so I love these titles that we give ourselves. <laughs> that is awesome. That is amazing. Um, so I will like if you have any questions. Um, I don't see any in the Q&A box, but I do have someone here. Did you have any questions um, that you wanted to ask? Okay. Okay. Um, the very last thing uh, that I wanted to mention, we didn't really talk about how to prepare for breastfeeding. So if you are planning on breastfeeding, um, again, take a breastfeeding class. See a lactation counselor, find one that you like before pregnancy, and then see them by day three and then weekly after that. And then find a support group that is ran by a lactation counselor. Um, our Facebook breastfeeding groups, sometimes I have to walk away because the information in there is not always accurate um, and can be a bit harmful. So always find a group that's ran by a lactation professional that is helpful. Um, and you can find me at Fruit of the Womb Birth. Um, that's one B because I forgot the B when I signed it for my domain. <laughs> um, but Fruit of the Womb Birth on Instagram. You can also find me at fruitofthewombbirth.com uh, where I do a lot of educational classes. I am a doula and I do lactation services as well. My next upcoming class is It Matters How Birth Affects uh, Your Baby. And that's where we kind of really dive into how uh, vaginal birth, skin to skin, and breastfeeding can affect your baby's immune system long term. And if you have a C-section, or if you choose not to breastfeed, or any of those things, uh, what you can do to protect your baby's microbiome. So those are some upcoming classes that are coming up. And Tamisha, I, I love you. I appreciate you. You're so amazing. Thank you for being on here with, with me. I am uh, obviously going to ask you to come back on so very, very soon <laughs> so that we can really tackle uh, formula marketing um, because that is a great topic to really get into. So um, for now, thank you everyone for coming and attending and I shall see you guys later. Bye! there. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Birth Cafe podcast. Guess what? Our journey doesn't need to end here. If you would like to find out more information about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, head to my website. You can also find more information on me and the things that I teach on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Don't forget to hit that bell button if you want to get some alerts on new episode. And if you really like what you're hearing, give the podcast a five-star review. Are you trying to avoid a C-section? Guess what? I have just the thing for you. I have a quiz called How Likely Are You to Avoid a C-section? And in just two minutes, you'll learn how likely you are to have a C-section and you'll also have some resources on how to improve your odds of avoiding a C-section and a few more goodies. If that's something that you're interested in and you want to take the quiz, head to the show notes and take it.